Before we begin, just to let you guys know, our logo artwork was designed by Nicole Anarchy and music by Taylor Paisley French. Warning, this podcast does contain spoilers for the Verse series. Hello everyone and welcome to the Best Time Camp, a Royal Universe read-along and analysis podcast that sits out to read all the books by Reg Riordan in timeline order. I'm your host Fran and welcome to the show. Today we continue our timeline journey with The King Chronicles, The Throne of Fire, Chapter 21, We Buy Some Time, and Chapter 22, Friends in the Strangest Places, which are from Carter's point of view. As always, I've got my points to focus on, so today we've got pacing and generally what I thought of it. But to begin, here's the synopsis. The Canes are out of time, but in losing a soul, they're able to gain it back. Unfortunately, their enemies have had a long head start and Apophis is rising. The only way to restore Ra is to help him out. A final play is made and in the end, it makes no real difference to the trouble they're in. We love when things just continue to go terribly, terribly wrong. (laughs) Um, Oh my gosh. (laughs) Uh, Yeah, so things are not looking good for the Canes. And um, is it bad that I'm glad? (laughs) Anyway, let's dive into the chapters straight away. So we're starting with chapter 21 because, of course, 21 comes before 22. So chapter 21, We Buy Some Time, is our first one. And here is the overview for chapter 21. Under the guidance of Horace, the Canes... Wait, hold on. Oh, hold on. <laughs> I, I, sorry, my punctuation for this section was so bad, I was so confused. <laughs> Under the guidance of Horace, the Canes, as dismal as their chances of success are, continue their journey. Tawat says their next stop will be with their father, so at least they have that to look forward to even if Ra is so far gone that their chances to win dwindle even further. Arriving in Osiris' domain, they head in for a feast, just as Ra always did, but a special guest is due to arrive. They're in trouble, and this guest could help save them them some time. Good God, Fran. Which is when, to Bess's dismay, the moon god, Khonshu, arrives. Khonshu, oh, I'm saying Khonshu. I'm, maybe it's that. Khonshu or Khonshu? I can say Khonshu. Is a, Khonshu is a betting man who gambles with time. He can offer them three hours. He can offer them the... Th- I'm really sorry, guys. It's really hot today, and for anyone who knows me, I'm actually allergic to heat, so I'm actually struggling at the moment. I'm coming up in some hives, and just things are going badly. I'll I'll do my best. (laughs) He can offer them the three hours they need, but if they lose, they lose their soul. Taking the risk, 
they begin the bet, and though it looks to be going well, they make a fatal error that leads to losing Bess. In their anger, they finally beat him, but have no time to grieve before they have to move on to the next trials. And unfortunately for them, the next trial is meeting Menshikov on the battlefields, and they are far too late. Ah! Uh, <laughs> oh my gosh, everything that's happened here is so sad. I'm mad. I'm actually really mad with these chapters. Oh, okay, feedback time. Before I get into um, the main thing here, um, it, this, this chapter is stupidly long. This is a 30 pages chapter. 30 pages for one chapter. It was not necessary at all. So much is happening in this chapter and yet we are continuously moving on to the next thing because this this is so this is why I'm talking about pacing later on. But let's discuss what happened in these 30 pages. They realise they're out of time and still stuck at Sunny Acres retirement home. Um Horace has like an internal discussion with Carter saying you gotta keep going. Uh they go and meet their dad, who's also with their mum. They have a feast with him. And, you know, things seem to be going well. And then Kwonsu turns up, who everyone is going to know now because he is, you know, in Moon Knight, <laughs> the Marvel show, um, along with Tarwat. Tarwat is actually in that show as well, which is very cool. Um, and things, so they do a betting game. Bess dies, seemingly. Um, well, no, it's not even seemingly, it's but it's he loses his essence so he loses himself he's basically he's like in a vegetative state basically uh, but also disappears in front of their eyes um and yet after his sacrifice you move on so quickly within the same chapter of winning the game being so angry they try to kill Konsu and then they have to go continue on through the journey through the houses of life they kill a bunch of monsters and then they arrive and Menshikov is there declaring the end of the world and all of this is happening in one chapter who is the editor actually who is the editor Do, yeah i've got the book with me i'm intrigued if the editor is named because i'm disappointed i know oh my god let's have a look is it mentioned uh, editor editor um i don't think it actually text copyright they don't actually mention the editor. I know it's not it's not always common that they do. Actually, does he have an acknowledgments page? He does not. Um <laughs> sorry, I was checking to see. Well okay, so there's no editor listed. But um to the editor, I I, I know I'm gonna sound really mean. I'm kinda of disappointed that thirty pages for one chapter. There should have there should have been a cutoff point after Bess's death. Like, when Bess disappears in front of their eyes, that should have been the end of the chapter. And I feel like they need to point out, so I know there are these things called breaks within a chapter of, like, you have these big spaces so you can actually pause and really put, like, your bookmark in and come back to it later. They don't even have that. that sorry. They don't even have that after, after Bess's death. 
he dies, disappears in front of their eyes, and then they have to continue, like, playing the game. But it's just kind of, like, glossing over everything. So we don't even, like, know what's happening with the game. We don't know what's happening with their emotions. They're just killing everything. Um, and then it moves on, and we reach where the final part is, and Menshikov is already there, and he's declaring the world. So we don't even... We don't even grieve the situation with Bess. It all just moves on so, so quickly. And I'm kind of pissed about it. This is the issue that I'm having with this book now, is that the weight of huge, important moments are not held on. We don't actually hold on this moment of grief. And I know that I'm probably leading this all to, like, when people read my book if people have the same thoughts they're gonna be like oh well you have no right to critique this if I put that in my own work I will admit to that I will admit that I've been dumb and I've not realized this and I fucked up but from what I know I'm I feel like I haven't done this but again that could just be me being cocky I know 100% it probably is but like I know just reading this it just this chapter dragged and yet, at the same time, everything was moving so quickly. Like, <laughs> I've read these last six chapters in a day. And until the last chapter, there is no proper addressing of the situation that happened with Bess until that last chapter. And even then, it is so brief and not even focused on. There's like a paragraph or two dedicated to the grief of the situation and that's the situation here too after losing Bess he is mentioned again once once after his death and it just it's actually kind of infuriating I'm just I'm really disappointed that firstly an editor didn't work on breaking up this chapter but also that Rick has not focused on these important moments Ra being old and Carter and Sadie realising that they could have made a mistake because he is not regenerated. Bess sacrificing his life and even saying to the siblings, this was always the plan. I, that's, that's a huge important moment and we see like all these memories of like everything of his essence disappearing and it's devastating but then immediately after the feeling is gone. That's a, a paragraph of grief and then there's just them killing everything which is meant to be a representation of their grief in some way but it just doesn't feel like it the feeling isn't there i don't know if it's because i'm reading these books in an analytical way but even reading these in an analytical way i should be able to pick up on things like that i just haven't i'll talk about this a little bit more when i get to the pacing part so Let's move on to the next chapter, which is chapter 22, Friends in the Strangest Places. And this is the overview for chapter 22. Menshikov had been waiting for them, biding his time as his minions dug out the scarabs to release Apophis. His goal? Have Ra nearby for his new master to eat when he emerges, as well as becoming the host for Apophis to help rule this world. Carter and Sadie are having none of it and go into battle mode. With Sadie beginning to read the final piece of the Book of Ra, Carter destroys the demons, but they're playing right into Menshikov's hand. 
If they release the scarapard of Ra's soul, they will release Apophis, and Vlad will take the snake in as a host. Knowing Ra truly is their last chance, they keep on, and to their surprise, Desjardins arrives to help out before being knocked out easily. With Apophis freed, Sadie in trouble, and Vlad heading out to kill Ra, a final play is made by the French. Desjardins, using his life force, binds Apophis to a shabti and destroys it, sending the snake's essence away for now. Menshikov is burnt up from hosting and Desjardins dies with apologies on his lips as he admits his wrongdoings. With their own souls dying from being in the Duarte for so long, they give the Scara to Ra, but it makes no difference. They finish their journey on the river and arrive at Brooklyn House, and it is not looking good. Now, before I dive into pacing, just a little bit... This chapter. So, Des Jardins arrives and he's kind of like, I oh, know everything's been happening, I'm here to help, dies. That's the end of Des Jardins' story. No real redemption, no real like anything. It's just, I I know what's been going on, death. And like he does, he does do this great act of like binding Apophis to a Shabti, but like how this is the whole thing so the magic system was so good previously if we understood how everything worked but it seems rick's just kind of thrown that out of the window this time because there's also a moment where sadie says binding apophis to these things you know that's that's some like banned magic but also i'm like how the fuck does she know this because she barely did any teaching or researching she does not understand anything about magic except the instinctive part because she doesn't care about like education so how does Sadie know this? But then also this whole part, like I like, I, I find it really cool that the releasing the Scarapod of Ra's soul is what will release Apophis. So bringing back Ra also brings back Apophis. Like, and this is a really cool way because they keep talking about how Mutt and Chaos, they have to be together to be in balance. Apophis and Ra have to exist together either out of the world or in the world together they cannot have one or the other Ra can't be back and Apophis can't be you know out of the world they have to be together for balance to exist I really like that do they explore it in that way kind of not really but the Menshikov thing defeated way too easily I would like to point out like I'm sorry that was so, this is really underwhelming I think that's the situation I'm having here all of this, this battle with the demons, the rising of Apophis, the brief defeat of Apophis, all in one chapter. It's just... <sighs> I don't even know how to describe it except disappointing. I think that's where I'm at. Everything in these last couple of chapters has ended up feeling really disappointing. Like it's moved so quickly, there is no... There's no weight of the urgency of everything. Like, everything... like they're, they're, They've been talking about how the world is going to be ending and Apophis has come back briefly and nothing happened, firstly. Like, we had this whole idea of, like, the moment Apophis rises, everyone's screwed. Didn't happen. He's been sent away for a brief period of time quite easily, I would like to point out. 
Like he is an all-powerful chaos monster and he was defeated by a weakened magician. How? I just... Let's go into the pacing now because the pacing is whack. I am so mad that better sacrifices just glossed over in the end because we pressed on so fast to the next part of Carter and Sadie and uh, of Carter and Sadie fighting and then them fighting demons and Menshikov. I have the feeling that, like I mentioned, that the Kane's rage is meant to represent their grief, but it just doesn't read that way at all. And again, Bess is mentioned once or twice after his sacrifice and then isn't again. It just feels, it really does. It feels like Rick is just rushing to finish this book to get back to writing Son of Neptune because these were being released in the same year again, like six months apart. So we're also probably being written at the same time. If not, the King Chronicles being written a little bit beforehand. So it it does feel like he's rushing to finish it to be able to continue writing the next book for Heroes of Olympus. And Menshikov and Apophis defeat are so stupidly easy that I'm at this point now where I have no... There's no tension for me of what's going to happen in the Serpent's Shadow. In fact, I don't even know what's going to happen in the Serpent's Shadow because Apophis has been defeated so easily... And, like, there's just no tension for me. Just like, oh, if he can be defeated that easily, you know, just keep binding him to... Sh- I know, obviously, it kills magicians, but, like, if they don't know how to defeat him any other way, they can just put him into a shabdi and destroy it and keep him away for a period of time until they find a way to bury him again. Like, I don't know, it just... <laughs> like, Menshikov has been permanently removed, Apophis has been for now... But it's just so underwhelming that it took one chapter for all of this to happen. It's... I don't even know what to say. I think that's almost the problem. Is that I don't even know how to feel about everything that's gone on. The Disjargent thing I thought was interesting in that he's turned up to help the Canes. But we don't even know how he figured out that Menshikov had in a sense been poisoning him although I guess technically he hasn't but I also don't know how he knows that Menshikov is being the bad guy because he was giving in to him so easily so we've not seen the build up to that he's just there and then he's just dead and we're meant to feel sad and I'm like but we've not really seen him much this book he's very clearly been manipulated we don't understand how he got out under this manipulation and has been able to come and defeat Menshikov and deal with this whole situation there's no build up to it there's no understanding of how he got to this place Menshikov is a shit villain in general I'm just god dear god he was such a bad villain and like the (laughs) it's just I'm just really disappointed. Like, this book was doing so well, minus obviously the whole Walt Age situation that I've moan about, and, like, the Sadie's character regression almost, but everything that's been happening in these last... Technically eight chapters, I guess, as well, because also the episode I did with Robert for um, 1718, chapters 17 and 18, I mean. It's like these last eight chapters of this book... I've just been going so fast, so quickly. I know I just basically repeat myself. (laughs) There's just no room to understand or feel anything of what's happened. Like, everything is just 
happening around me as a reader. Like, I don't feel engaged with the text. I don't feel engaged with, you know, the danger of the situation. It's just, I just, literally, I think the whole thing, this could have been fixed a little bit easier if there were maybe two extra chapters of just allowing the weight of Bess's sacrifice, of the fear of have they made the right choice with Ra, which in this chapter they deal with so quickly and easily of like, yeah, no, we have to protect Ra, like this is the only way. And it's kind of like, but like literally just in, in the previous two chapters, you've found that Ra is like still old, nothing has made any difference, you have no idea what's going on and no idea what to do. But suddenly you believe in it? It's just... The guy... that He's talk, still talking about weasels and zebras. And there isn't like a moment... <laughs> and... Oh, that was the part I think I hated the most. Is that Apophis is so taken aback by Ra making a comment about weasels and zebras. That he steps back in almost shock before killing him. I'm sorry. No. Any villain would not have that happen. If you hear someone say something stupid, you're cutting them down anyway. You're not stepping back in surprise. That was the dumbest thing. Oh my god, I know this is turning into a rant now. I probably shouldn't. But I just... I am just disappointed in these chapters. I'm disappointed in the pacing. I'm disappointed in how this is ending. And oh my god, the ending. I'll get to that next week. But my... I'm just... The Throne of Fire started out so strong and it's just dwindled so quickly that it's kind of sad. I'm sad. I really like this book to start with and it's just... It's just kind of fading away a little bit. I don't know. I don't know. I, th- I think I'm just moaning at this point. Anyway. Yeah, pacing is a problem uh, with this final half of The Throne of Fire. If you can't already tell from the... <laughs> The disappointment in my tone. But let's move into the thing that you're all waiting for, which is the question of the episode. And this week, if you can't already tell from the few times I've brought this up, what I want to know is, did you feel anything for Bess's sacrifice? Like, I was sad that he was gone because he was such an interesting character. But I feel like his specific sacrifice and everything that came after just didn't add to the weight of his loss. If anything, I just kind of it was sad but it just moved on so quickly that I didn't actually forget for a period of time that Bess was gone until it was mentioned again that he was gone so yeah I want to know did you feel anything about Bess's sacrifice and obviously that'll be going up on our social media so be sure to let me know um on the comments there or even email in if you have further thoughts on this um and yeah, so yeah, <laughs> I, I have nothing else to say, which I'm sure you're all thrilled to hear. Um, so thank you all for joining me for these chapters. Be sure to join me next Wednesday for the finale of The Throne of Fire. And after that, the continuation of our Ironverse journey. To plug where you can find our podcast, we are available on Spotify, Apple Podcasts, Audio Boom, Stitcher, and basically where we listen to your podcasts. In the meantime, between episodes, you can find the Best Damn Camp on various social media at Best Damn Camp Pod on Instagram and Twitter. If you want to email me with your thoughts on the episode, you can email the Best Damn Camp at hotmail.com, or if you want to support the podcast, you can head over to the Patreon page at patreon.com slash a healthy dose of fran which is linked in the episode show notes for things like early access to episodes and other exclusive perks want more royal inverse content check me out on youtube at a healthy dose of fran 
And if you want to support my writing career, drop me a follow and a dose of fright on Instagram, Twitter and TikTok. Again, thank you all for tuning in. As always, I've been Fran, your very own hunter, and I'll see, shall I speak to you all next time. Bye.